0: Welcome to War Dove Podcast. Warring Dove International is a kingdom organization focused on building local and global partnerships, equipping ministry leaders, and raising up a company of warriors who, like a dove, have eyes to pursue one thing, the king. Thank you for tuning in today as our founder, Lisa McFarland, shares her message. Thank you for tuning in as we are launching our adventure series. Walking with God is much like going on an adventure. And today, Lisa McFarland will be sharing with you some helpful insights of how to successfully navigate this journey here on with God. We hope you enjoy. So
1: I want to continue with the series that I have, that it's an adventure. An adventure. Amen? That God has given us a time of adventure and just if you've not been here just so that we can review but last Friday night I was talking about how God had spoken to me and said I want you to buy this yellow bike and I was like well Lord I I, I don't need a bike and I don't know if I can ride a bike and it's been a long time since I've been on a bike and if I get on that bike I'll probably crash and break something and weeks went by and months kept going by and finally I said to the Lord I don't know what it is about that bike But Lord, if you want me to have that bike, you make somebody come and give me money and then I'll go buy that bike. That's, you know, I was like testing the Lord. And I kid you not, it wasn't even 24 hours. A lady walks up to me in church and hands me an envelope with $100 and and says, the Lord told me to give this to you, that there's something you're supposed to buy. And I'm like, oh, snap. So I knew it was the Lord. And uh, so I brought it home and God was reminding me That when we started Warring Dove International, and that was before Eagle Rock Church came into being, that I had this dream. You know, we were starting to gather intercessors and do conferences. I was speaking and traveling around, and things were beginning to pick up, and it was, you know, it was picking up. And uh, I had a dream that I was driving my minivan. And I'm driving and Jesus is sitting in the passenger seat and he's sitting back there just watching me drive. And there's all these people in the in the car. And you know in a dream you, you can have like a million people in your car. You know? And I'm not real life, but in your dream you can. And all these people, thousands of people were in the back of this car. We even stopped at one point and some people that I knew got in the side door and got in the van too. And I'm thinking, well, how can they even fit in there? There's thousands of people in there. And as we're driving down the road, uh, it felt like the car was wiggly and something was wrong. And it felt like the tires were going to fall off. And I said to the Lord, oh, I think something's wrong. We should stop and see. And he said, no, don't stop. Keep going. So I'm driving for a little while longer and I said to Lord, No, Lord, I I really think there's something wrong with the tires. I think something's going on. I I think that uh, I think that the tires gonna fall off. We should stop and fix it. And he said, No, there's nothing wrong, just keep going. And every time I would bring up something he would say, Keep going and I'd say, But Lord, maybe it's the tire rods, you know, the wheels wiggling and I feel like the wiggle or the lug nuts are loose and it's gonna come off and you know, something's gonna happen, it's gonna break. You know, I have an experience with the tire rod breaking, trust me, that in, in my younger evangelist days with, with those help me Jesus cars. And uh, I was like, Lord, you know, the tire rod busted and I don't know how I, we didn't die. It was Jesus, that's how. So I was like, in my dream, I'm feeling that pressure and that stress again. Lord, it's the tire rods, it's the lug nuts, it's the wheels, it's, it's something God. And Jesus kept saying, Lisa, just keep going. And finally, I said, Lord, then it must be me. I must be doing something wrong. I think something's wrong. I'm, you know, I don't know how to drive. Clearly, something's wrong. And he said, no. Lisa, said, this is what it's like when you're learning how to do this. And the scene changed, and now I'm on a bike. And Jesus is holding the back of the bike, and I'm like a little kid, and I'm riding this bike. And I'm wiggling around, and I'm about to wreck. Remember, this is probably about 2006, 2007, 2008, I don't know. And I said, well, Lord... Uh, I might fall. And he said, no, you won't. Keep going. And he's laughing his head off as he's holding the back of the bike and finally he let's go and I'm just riding my bike. And then, bam, we're back in the van and I'm driving the car. And he said, see, that's what it's like when you're learning. It's okay, keep going. And it just instantly, when I woke up, all the pressure and the fear of failure and the pressure of trying to get it right and the responsibility that I felt was just crushing me, lifted off of me because I realized I'm the child and he's the father. He's holding the back of the bike. And he's on, we're on this adventure together. And as we're learning and we're, and we're going through these experiences, I want to say to you tonight that mistakes are not sins. If you don't get on the bike and be willing to wreck, you can never learn to ride the bike. And if you fall down and you wreck, you get back up and get back on your bike. And I, and I feel like God wants to speak to us tonight. Where uh, Friday night God said, I want you to tell them that it's an adventure. You know, Lisa, I want you to buy this bike and we're going to ride together. And God began to speak to me about going back to the point of origin or back to the future where God first called you or you first got saved, you first came to Christ and you were remembering this love and the and the passion and the zeal and the excitement. You know, we're going to ride this bike, we're going to go on an adventure, you know. The first time you went to school, the first time you got on a bus, the first time you spoke in tongues, you know. The first time you played your guitar, the first time you performed, right. This excitement excitement The first time you led somebody to the Lord. And God wants to take us back this summer to this point of origin. Back to the future. Back to the future. Because if you go back to where it started, that's the prototype. That's the invitation. That's the point where the dream was planted inside of you. And God put the future inside of you. And now you're manifesting it and it's unfolding as you walk it out. It's an invitation To go on a journey with Jesus and grow in your relationship. Now I know it sounds like I'm saying something silly or something simple, but you have no idea what's about to happen to you tonight. Because I've been setting you up for three sermons. God wants us to come back to the point of origin. God wants us to get excited about this adventure, this discovery, this passion, this zeal. To be humble like a child, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Where a child's like, I want to ride, I want to talk, I want to play the drum, I want to sing, me, pick me. That's what I love Matt, back in the back row, because he's always like, me, me. He just always would raise his hands, me, it's me, me. And then I just chuckle and laugh, but I love that about him. Because he doesn't hold back. He's like, no, me, I won't, me, pick me. And often I pick him because he says, pick me. You know, I could be irritated about it, but you know what? I love the zeal and the passion like a child that says, why not me? Why can't I go? Why can't I try? Let me try. Let me have a chance. And somewhere along the way, as we grow up, You remember I told the story about stepping, that I loved to walk in the grass. But as a child, I stepped on these pop bottles and it cut my foot to the bone. And so from that moment on, I was afraid to run in the grass or walk barefoot in the grass because I got hurt one time. And so the enemy and some things that we're believing that are not true, or maybe we've grown up and we just got too big for those things, didn't we? We can't have fun with God anymore. We can't, we can't have an adventure anymore. We, we, we can't have passion anymore. We're too big for that. That's too childlike. God wants to bring us back to the wonder of that this summer. He wants to bring back to where you dream, you imagine. You have an adventure where it's fun again. It's exciting again. And God wants to wake that up in us. God wants you to trust Him, to take a risk, to take a chance. What if they make fun of me? What if they don't? What if they do? Does it matter? What if I start out and and people quit me and and they won't go with me? What if they do? What if they don't? Does it matter? Because the invitation doesn't come from the people. It does not come from you. It doesn't come from the city. It comes from the Lord Himself like Abraham. Abraham, leave your father and your mother and go to a land that I'm going to show you. So, you know, I preached about the adventure, this invitation, this discovery, this passion, this going back to the point of origin. But on Sunday morning, I brought about, it's also about a promise. God's word comes and it's faithful and true. And and, and I remember as a child when I had a dream and God said, you're going to go to these nations. You're, You're going to have children from these nations. And, and I saw a baby tied on my back and I was carrying it around my back as I was going around helping people and I was preaching in other countries. And there was a desire and a dream planted deep in the inside of me and I began to tell people around me, I, I'm going to go to Africa, I'm going to go to India, I'm going to go to China, I'm going to have children from those countries. And I began to tie my dolls on my back and wear them around and people are like, what is wrong with her? She's so weird. That's stupid. Mom! Don't let her do that. People are looking at at us. And my mom to her credit would say, shut up. She's doing what Jesus told her to do. That dream, that promise. And I talked a lot Sunday morning about when God's word comes, it's like a seed and the seed itself has the power to become what it is. You remember these words? Because I'm reviewing. It's about an adventure. It's about a promise. And tonight I want to talk to you. It's not just about an adventure. It's not just about a promise. It's also about a love. This is a love story. Between a father and a son. Between a father and a daughter. Between a God and a people. And God wants us to be on this adventure. And it's an invitation to come into this place of friendship and intimacy. And you know what the problem with the prophetic house is? We think we know what love is. We think we know what intimacy is, but I'm going to tell you right now as an apostle, I know a lot about prophets. You know what I know about prophets? They're scared to death of intimacy. And they have these walls, and they only go through this door and this door. So if you think you're getting all the way in, you're not. They have a fortress with many channels and doors. And they let you come in or choose to let you come in. So when an apostle comes around and we have the ability to go through all the doors without permission, it freaks them out. She can see me. She knows me. Oh, no. And you're all right now. or are nervous, aren't you? I can feel the tension in the room. I love it. Hey. I'm a prophet too and we choose these levels of intimacy but you know what when we put that door up and that wall up and say I'm not going to let them hurt me I'm not going to take a risk I might fall down and break my arm I might scrape my knee I might get hurt they might leave me they might reject me they might abandon me we also give up the adventure and you know what you need it because your neighbor and saying you needs it you need it. You need to laugh. You need to cry. You know what? That's why we watch action movies and Star Wars and drama and all these things. Because we like, you know, maybe it'll happen. What if it doesn't? And then when it doesn't, we cry. And then when it happens, we're like, yay! And then we watch the Olympics. We watch some of them get the gold and we watch some of them cry and lay on the ground. And we cry with them because they didn't make it. And there's something in us that likes this adventure, this lifestyle of not knowing, the risk. And you cannot live without it, and if you don't, you will never live. God has made you, and He knows how you are. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of a king, a mature prince, to search it out. God has given you an invitation to come on this adventure. God knows how He made you. God is drawing you. And you're dissatisfied and you're bored and you're crying and you're lonely and you're all screwed up and you're pointing at the church. You're pointing at her. You're pointing at him. You're pointing at your mom. But the thing is, you have closed the door to intimacy and God wants it swung wide open. All of them. All of them? All of them. It's an invitation for a relationship to take a chance. On what? On God! thing is, it's not really a chance. Because we already know. Whatever God says is going to come to pass. Because it's not just an adventure, it's a promise. He doesn't even have to pinky swear. He says it, he's going to do it. In fact, he already said it before, it just needs to happen. And you need to stop resisting. Which slows it down. You're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. The promise. Psalms 105 verse 8 says this. He, God, He remembers His covenant forever. The word He commanded for 1,000 generations. Once God says something, it never gets retracted. It doesn't get forgotten. It doesn't get lost. It's out there floating around like a seed waiting for some dirt to allow it to grow. For someone to believe God and to be impregnated with that word, with that seed, and be like Mary and allow the Holy Spirit to overshadow them and give birth to something from a supernatural realm and let it manifest and come from that realm into this realm through you. It's an adventure. It's a promise. It is a love. And you need it. If you're a prophetic person and you're in this prophetic house, you are so desperate for love... And sometimes we shut that down and turn it down on the low. But you know what? Down inside we're dying. Down inside we're bored. We need that extreme. We need that touch and go. We need that up and down. We need the crying. We need the laughing. I remember in the early days. Remember riding the bike, Jesus? In the early days, it was crazy. We would worship and it was crazy. People were crazy. And people would come and there people were manifesting demons, people were getting healed, there was gold dust, feathers, there was ashes falling from the ceiling, people were screaming, rolling, people were saying, Lisa's crazy, Lisa's this, Lisa's that, Lisa's not this, Lisa's not that. And I'm like, why is it always Lisa? It's not Lisa. I didn't have anything to do with it. I would sit on the front row and cry and say, God, you're going to get me in trouble. Stop. And people would say, aren't you afraid God won't won't show up? And i go, no, I'm not afraid He won't show up. I'm afraid He will. Because when He shows up, I get in trouble. And God said to me, you can't control this. It's messy. Love's messy. Revival's messy. Breakthrough's messy. The Kingdom is messy. Prophets have messy lives, Lisa, and you're a prophet. You can't control this. It's like a flood. Like a like a Niagara Falls coming down on top of you, but you know what? I love it I love it when God shows
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it when God shows up and drops down on you and you 're rolling and screaming on the floor, and kicking, and you become undignified. Yes, I love it when people say, What's happening? I say, I don't know. I don't know. What's God doing? I don't know. Oh my God. Uh, it's a love. It's a love. Let me get through this, Lord. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> Job says, Job 29, 4, this. Y'all yeah, pray and help me. Mm. <laughs> Job says this, I, 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 In the prime of my days, I longed for the time where I was in my prime, when the friendship of God was over my tent. I love it. I didn't know that yellow meant friendship, and all the prophets are telling me, well, yellow means friendship. I'm like, and, I, you know, it, we go from being a servant... A prodigal servant coming back in thinking if we just earn God's love or favor. And then, you know, we become His disciple and we're learning. But there's a point where God looks at us and He calls us a son. You know, you're you're not my servant, you're my son. But if you hang around long enough and you mature and you grow into an adult, then your children become your friends. And He looks at you one day and says, Hey, how can I hide from my friend what I'm about to do? And they call you a friend. Hang on to that. Are you a friend of God? Friendship. In the days of my youth when the secret of God... Right? Friendship. That word in the Hebrew synonymous with secret. Where the friendship of God was over my tent. Where God's lamp was above my head and His friendship was over my tent. Or the secret presence of God. Where God could trust me with His secrets. He could trust me with His heart. <laughs> No, oh, it's not <laughs> Trust me with his, uh, his uh, secrets and his thoughts and his feelings. <laughs> this is my, um... mm-hmm. <laughs> Psalm sixty nine thirteen it says, I pray to you, O Lord, in the time of your favor, your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. In the time of your favor, Right. I want you to go to Luke nineteen, and I want to talk about God's adventure, God's promise, God's love, and then (laughs) Mm, Luke (laughs) nineteen. I'm sorry. I'm I'm having troubles. It's gonna get worse. I can. A little background here, Jesus spends a couple chapters, he's talking about parables, and there's some things happening, and if you don't pay attention to what's happening before and after that portion of scripture that you're studying, you're going to miss it, because they all fit together like pieces of a puzzle, so you get a big picture, repeat. If you don't pay attention to what's in front of that passage, and what's behind it, you don't really know what's going on, because God, all these words and these stories fit together like pieces of a puzzle. And you have this one little tiny piece you think you're seeing, but you only see what this is on here. When you put the pieces together, you get the big picture. So Jesus in Luke 14, 15, 16, 17, is teaching. And what he's doing is helping their eyes to get open and them to be enlightened and to understand what the truth is, what's really going on. What is God really? <laughs> what is God really like? Holy Spirit, help me, please. I'll just close my eyes. Jesus is teaching on helping us to see the big picture of what's going on in the kingdom. So He's teaching on the parables about the wedding feast, and the great banquet, and the cost of discipleship, Right? He, he, he's trying to open their eyes to help them to see what's really going on and what's happening in the kingdom. Then he goes on and he goes to the parables about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, the lost money by the, the, the manager that's no good with the money. And, and, and he's opening their eyes to what God thinks about things that are lost. About what God thinks about people coming to a dinner and those people that are lost and them coming in and drawing them in closer. I'm setting you up. I hope you're listening. God wants their eyes to be open to how He feels about things. About how He views them out of heaven. And how He views when we're screwed up or messed up or things don't go right or things are lost. And what God will do to bring it back into fellowship or (laughs) intimacy and relationship. Mm -hmm. He goes on he tells the story about the rich man and Lazarus. Because in the natural, people are looking at the wealthy. They're looking at the rich man thinking, well, he's really going to do well in heaven. But God allows us to see behind the scenes through this parable, God's heart for Lazarus. And how God feels about people that we view sometimes that are worthless or insignificant. And how God feels about them. And how God loves them. Then he talks about... Uh, forgiving somebody 70 times 7 and we're like what? Lord you better increase our faith because there's no way we can forgive somebody 70 times 7 I mean 70 times 70 times 7 I can't do it there's no way I can't forgive that much I can't love that much what, how could you even demand such a thing? Because in that time period, and the religious structure that was happening, you know, when somebody would do something, you would just cut them off. If somebody said something that offended you or offended God, you would just cut them off. If they were blind, you would cut them off and set them outside the city. You know, if they were poor, like Lazarus, they were buried outside the city. And God wants our eyes to get open and to understand, this is an adventure. God is trying to take us on this adventure. And as the kingdom is unlocking and we're passing this road marker and we're passing this road sign, God's allowing us to see and hear and experience the kingdom as we're riding along on this road. That's how I feel about the blind man. I'm going to heal him. That's how I feel about the the rich man. That's how I feel about the lost son. That's how I feel about the lost coin. That's how I feel. This, This is what it's like for me. And as we go along with this friendship of God, and we're getting to know God on this journey and this adventure, God is also showing us that His Word always comes to pass, and that His words are like a promise. I promise. If you do this, I'll do that. I promise I will be there. I promise I'll never leave you. I promise I will keep the sure mercies of David. I promise you, Abraham, I will remember your seed forever. I promise. It's an adventure. It's a promise. It's a love. And so, you know, it it goes on. He talks about the rich young ruler. I love it because the disciples are like, you better increase our faith because we can't handle what you're saying. And then when Jesus talks about the young ruler who has everything and he he tells him to give it all away and, and it says that Jesus looked at him with love. And when the young man goes away because he's not willing to go where Jesus wants him to go. And so the young man goes away because he's not willing to go where Jesus wants him to go. All he can see is, what, you want me to give up the future? You want me to give up my money? You want me to become vulnerable and follow some weird little evangelist prophet dude around? What will I get out of it? Jesus was trying to open his eyes to see that there was something so much bigger to give up this wealth for a greater wealth and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with money or having a job but, but the boy was testing him saying Jesus I've done everything what do I lack and he looks at him and he sees that he really is a great young man and that he's full of love and he, and he wants to please God and so he, he just drives right straight past it and penetrates him right in and says give up everything you haven't come with me <laughs> I can do that then the disciples say well then who can be saved an adventure with Jesus they're, they're hearing the promises and the word of God, they're seeing the great love that he looks at this young man and reads his mail prophetically but they can't enter in because they're like oh, I don't know if I can go there then we get to Luke 19 all of that is to set you up for this he, Jesus, goes to Jericho, pay attention Jericho has been the scriptures before There was this story about a city that could not be conquered. And Joshua comes and he sends some spies in there. And there's a woman named Rahab who's not really a nice lady. And she says, I know who you are. You're from God. And they make a deal with her and they hang a red cord out the window and she she saves them from the captors and later they save her during the time when the walls of Jericho fall down. And Rahab becomes one of David's ancestors. What? A prostitute? David's great-great-great-great-great-grandma was a prostitute? When he entered Jericho and he was passing through, and behold, anytime the Bible says, behold, you should stop right there and close your eyes and say, God, what do you want me to see? What am I supposed to be changed into right here? And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. By the way, Zacchaeus means pure or clean. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short or small in stature. He was just a little man. Pay attention. Jesus goes to Jericho. He's on an adventure. He's on a journey. He's got his disciples with him. But they don't see what he sees. And often we don't see what Jesus sees. And this little short guy who's supposed to be pure... His name's supposed to be pure, or one who's pure, or one who's clean, but he's not. He's a tax collector. Everybody knows the tax collectors cheat. They lie. They put pressure on people. They steal money from the poor and the widows. And they and they're in cahoots with the Romans. And it, he wasn't just any tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. You know, if there were sinners, he was like the big sinner. He was like the worst sinner. He was rich. Remember, Jesus just spent all this time talking about money, 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 Jericho. Mm. He was wanting to see Jesus, but he couldn't because he was short. Verse 4. So he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him. For For Jesus was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looks up and says, Zacchaeus, hurry up and get yourself down here for i must stay at your house today so he hurried he didn't just say what i can't do that what Not me what no he hurried and came down and and received him received jesus joyfully and when they saw it who's they when the crowd saw it they were excited Now, they all grumbled, complained, muttered under their breath. Wonder what they were muttering. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Got to say it like that too. Sinner. Sinner. He's going to eat with a sinner. And we don't think too much about that because in America, eating is just kind of like walking down the street. But in other countries, eating with people is a sign of making covenant. It's a sign that you're friends and that you get along. You don't invite people over to your house or go eat at somebody's house that you disagree with. Because then people will think you are one of them because birds of a feather flock together. And and among the Maoris, until we actually go go through all the protocols and all that as ambassadors are to be welcomed in. But even then, even after a four hour ceremony, I'm still not considered in until I sit down at the table and they watch me. Until I pick up their food and I put it in my mouth and I chew it up and swallow it. And I pick up my cup and drink it, and then they nod their head and they look at each other. Yes. Now she is welcome. She's one of us. We have broke bread together. Right? Communion's not about the bread and the wine, it's about the covenant that you're you're remembering or that you're re entering in or re upping or agreeing to. He's a sinner. So he hurried and came down. And, and, and joyfully, joyfully, it says joyfully, Zacchaeus was excited. And when they saw it, they all muttered. And he has gone and said, he has gone to the to be a guest of the man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I defrauded or wronged anyone of anything, I restore it four times. Fourfold. Jesus says to him, Today, Salvation has come to this house, since He also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Because He's a son of Abraham. Because He's a son of Abraham. If you'll read in Genesis 17, let's flip over there for just a second. Genesis 17, let's remember the promise. Sometimes we think that God doesn't care about us or God doesn't know what's going on. But once God speaks something, He never forgets it. It's a promise, remember? Like He made to Abraham. Genesis 17, verses 12, says this. Let's go to 9. God says to Abraham, As for you, you will keep My covenant. You and your children after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant or my promise, which you shall keep between me and you and your children after you. Every male shall be circumcised. You will be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it will be a sign of a covenant between me and you. A male whose eight days among you shall be circumcised, every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with money from a foreigner who is not even your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money, shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people because he has broken my promise. Jesus comes to this man who's not even walking with the Lord, but he's circumcised. He's a son of Abraham. And because he's a son of Abraham, God comes and he says, Salvation has come to your house today since. You also are a son of Abraham. Because God took Abraham on adventure, because God made a promise to him, now God is going to show His love by fulfilling His word, even to somebody who doesn't want it sometimes. Even to somebody that doesn't even know who he is, God will reach out like to the prodigal son, like the woman at the well, like Zacchaeus who climbs up a tree to see who this guy is. Hiding from the people. Hiding from Jesus. God will come because you're on an adventure. Because there's a promise and a covenant that God is going to keep. And because God has a great love for you. A great love. A great love interesting that Jesus could see that Zacchaeus had a need and that Zacchaeus was a son of Abraham but all these other sons and daughters of Abraham couldn't see Zacchaeus the way Jesus did we're in a season where God is about to break out with revival and evangelism in America again can you see Zacchaeus can you see those can you see those that are called to be the sons of Abraham and have this love for them like Jesus did
0: Thank you so much for listening to Warring Dove International's podcast. To find out more about our ministry and how you can partner with us, please visit our website at wardoves.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to leave a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. We'll see you next time on our next episode.